2: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's good, Rush Nation? We're back. It's week 11. Oh my goodness. How have we got to legs 11 already? Big man, how are you doing? Hectic week in the Murph household.
1: Crazy week in my household. So I did send the apology when I did the Strategy Points podcast earlier that uh, there was no waiver wires week. Um, some family stuff, some a uh, few minor health things, and um, work life and everything has all gone a bit awry this week. So, yeah. Um, but good. It's, uh, I tell you what, I must say, probably this weekend was the best weekend of football I've seen in quite some time with five walk-off field goals. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we got a stick from on Monday night football. So, uh, yeah, I I genuinely enjoyed uh, this week's Slater games. Definitely felt like the league is pushing a bit more towards parity in a lot of things. I mean, if you looked at paper this week uh, or uh, week 10, you see 49ers Jags, you think, Oh, that looks like an absolute bomb burner. And that was the worst game that w- that happened this weekend. Other than yeah. maybe Cowboys giants. That I mean, that was horrific, but the rest, um, just phenomenal. Like some absolute, I mean, that lions, uh, Chargers game just was one of the best games I've seen in quite some time. Absolutely. I mean, how Justin Herbert lost. I mean, it's not his fault. He lost. He was phenomenal. like, As a QB performance in a game, it's right up there as one of the best I've ever seen with some of the throws he made in that game. Some of the throws he made in that game were just, I'm not convinced there are more than two guys in the league that could make those throws. It was about four or five that were just absolutely ridiculous. It was just one of the best quarterback games I've ever seen from a player, and it's gutting that he lost. (laughs) And And this is where we talk about, like, if you're a head coach and you're on the side of the ball, and your side of the ball's not doing very well. You should probably get fired, and that's Brandon Staley. <laughs> like, he's got to go. Like he's a defensive-minded yeah. coach. They lost. They put up. I and mean, listen, It's no real disgrace. The the Lions are a good offense. They go for it a lot on fourth down. But crumbs. Like just oh, crumbs. Was, he just did not deserve. Him and Keenan Allen did not deserve to lose that game. Um, but then I could say the same for Hamilton, I'll say Brown, Jared Goff. Jared Goff was. I mean, he wasn't as good as Justin Herbert. But yeah. Well, I mean, what well, okay. game? I mean, if you if you have. Uh, the zone or NFL Plus or whatever you have the ability to go back and watch that game. Just go back and watch that game. It is an absolute treat. It's a brilliant, brilliant game of football, especially second half. Brilliant. Couldn't have been, couldn't have been any more entertaining if I tried.
2: Yeah, there's um, there was some decent endings to the football, like you said this weekend. Yeah. Capped off with the Broncos missed field goal, field goal win because of uh, the the Bills' stupidity with twelve men on the field.
1: Oh, I, I tell you what, this is where the worst in football comes out, right? Because you, you know who was uh, who the twelfth man was, don't you? No, Demar Hamlin. Oh god! <laughs> so some Bills fan posted like a meme, basically saying like, "basically," say, oh, me, it was a gif, but effectively insinuating that the Bills would have been better off if he'd actually died, and that was like. Oh, my. That is dark. I mean, that is as yeah. dark as it gets for uh, humor or reality or whatever. Like, oh, I, even I was like, "That's a bit. That's a bit strong." Um, but yeah, that was <laughs> that was, that was the turning point, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, great, great week. I've uh, already enjoyed it. I'm glad that uh, we get to see some great games. And yeah, this week's slate looks pretty good as well. Um, the Buccaneers are on Sky, so no doubt they're going to get absolutely hammered like they were the last time they were <laughs> on I'm not looking forward to this week, so here we go.
2: Yeah. I've got, a, um, I've got a stat for you, a factoid that I saw today that I think you'll appreciate. It's uh, it's college football related, but do you know that this season, the Tennessee volunteers have allowed one punt return yard? What? Yep, yeah. and get this, only 44 punt return yards in Josh Heupel's entire coaching career at Tennessee.
1: I don't know if that's good or not because surely that's either saying that teams are scoring at a great rate against his team or his defence are getting a lot of turnovers.
2: Yeah, I don't know, but I just figured one punt return. Like Teams, you think a punt return, generally, you're probably at least five yards, even if you're behind where you would be if you let it bounce out.
1: Just one punt
2: return yard or oh, the whole season is Oh, their ridiculous. punter
1: is incredible and is literally putting it high so high in the air that they're calling fair catch every time. I mean yeah. I guess in college there was a lot more fair catches. That but yeah, still that's quite incredible. One pump in yard.
2: That's crazy. I don't uh, I'm just trying to look up how long he's been Josh Hypell has been head coach of what? Oh, really? so he's been head coach for well, this would be his third year. Yeah. So they're allowing like four, fifteen yards basically a year on Pavartes.
1: <laughs> that's that's mad.
2: Yeah. And did you see it. um did you see Russell Wilson's next gen probability catch on his Cortland Sutton throw? No. The probability of them making that pass at that time was two point eight percent, the lowest ever recorded by next gen. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty good. Like the toe tap in the corner was well, only two point eight percent going to happen.
1: I mean, that was yeah. There were some unbelievable catches this week. His was amazing. Chris alaves from, and it wasn't just the fact that James Winston threw a great ball, which doesn't happen all that often. But it was the fact he did it <laughs> off the bench, so he had almost like no warm up time. Maybe that's even better. And then the toe tap, because it brought up an interesting point. I don't know if you saw the Alave touchdown. So Alave gets his foot, he lands his foot on the defender. And I was in a chat when this happened and then he got his toe down. But if his foot had not got on the turf, if it finished on the defender and he went out of bounds, that would have been no catch.
2: Even though the defender was inbounds, Yeah. I guess because he didn't touch the floor. He
1: didn't touch the floor. So yeah, that was, that brought up an interesting point. Um, cd lamb's one-handed grab which was just nuts he's like sort of caught it down here was mad <laughs> there was some unbelievable catches this week so yeah i i did i definitely enjoyed i thought this week's nfl was probably the best week of the season i'd, I'd go as far as to say i thought there was a lot of amazing game i mean if you're a jags fan then you probably didn't enjoy it all that much or if you're a giants fan you definitely didn't enjoy it at all um but yeah on the whole i thought it was an excellent week i enjoyed it yeah Oh, really. Dolphins
2: fans, Dolphins fans enjoyed themselves a week off and yeah. everyone in their division gave up.
1: Yeah, imagine going further ahead in your division without playing. No. It's quite something. It's quite an achievement. Yeah, very well done. Definitely Dolphins fans were very pleased. Yeah, all in all very, very good week, must must say.
2: Indeed, indeed. Murph, tell us about the mid season elimination competition.
1: Uh yeah, I meant to take that out of the uh, out of the read. Uh, apologies uh yeah it's going it's going strong first eliminators or first uh five people were eliminated from the conversation of the competition 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 this week uh we lose a few more this week so should be exciting and then we announced our ffcc court the finalists this week as well as our international or intercontinental plate quarter finalists as well so you know down to the the business end of the competition there so yeah um it's good to do the elimination league, and it took us over six thousand pounds, I think, for NPS, um, which is just amazing um, that we've raised so much money. Um, I'm just going to check the final total. Well, it's not final total, but the total that we've got just just now. Um, yeah, okay. But yeah, the last familiar. time I looked, was over five, uh, over six thousand pounds, which is uh, amazing. So, thank you so much to everyone who plays in all the competitions and uh and has donated because uh it's been one of our best years ever and um yeah i'm sort of stalling for time here because it is <laughs> uh, well i would go on it's, if you've got it it's six thousand and four pounds and 57 pence
2: which is an incredible amount of money
1: yeah uh, unbelievable we're gonna do a lot uh it's gonna do a lot of good with that yeah. so yeah unbelievable to get that kind of uh uh, money raised and yeah uh over 457 separate donations as well which is amazing
2: yeah shout out to stormo from my ffcc division good friend of mine as well and he's made it to the quarters so come on stormo you can do it let's take that baby home
1: if stormo wins this i did tweet this out if stormo wins it he'll be the fifth different winner from a fifth different country in the five years we've done the ffcc
2: what nationality
1: yeah nationality well yeah. our country because he's in wales we have another so, he's... <laughs> so uh, we, we would say nationality but also location it would work either way uh um, yeah, friend of the show jack who was on two weeks ago he won uh in year one from england uh year two was uh v from norway year three was andy singleton uh from the usa uh new york uh again friend of the show he's been on uh year four um was my friend jazza who um yeah from scotland
2: wow we are truly a international podcast when it comes to winners
1: (laughs) yeah i mean imagine that Like, if we if stormo won five different countries five different winners that'd be mad so we're already guaranteed new winner which is quite good so yeah um and then also um England has a four or is a, a one in two chance of winning the Intercontinental Plate as well. Four of the final eight are from England. Oh, cool. so, repping hard!
2: There we go. There we go. Anything surprise you from Week Ten, Murph? Anything that really caught your eye?
1: Um, I don't know why I put this because I maybe shouldn't be surprised in Arthur Smith, but I'm going to say it anyway. They had a passing rate over expected of twenty of minus twenty two point one percent which is the second lowest amount all season and the one thing when you get into a game against carolina is their secondary's trash like it's bad like you throw against Ca- like arizona as so if I said carolina I meant arizona like you throw <laughs> against arizona that's what you got to do right you've got to just absolutely obliterate the secondary uh put the ball in the air and listen I know they had Tyler Haneke, and I know he got injured, and then they brought Desmond Ritter in. But throw the ball, man. Look at the weapons you've got. And they, honestly, it like, his beggar's belief, like, how, um, I don't understand that matchup, how you don't throw the ball to Drake London. He had, I think, the second or third best wide receiver cornerback matchup of anyone last week, and just did not get him the ball. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what are you doing? Like I would have just put the ball in the air thirty times and just seen what happened, and I guarantee you we'd have got more points than the the Atlanta Falcons because it's just it's just shocking. Like I a minus twenty two point one passing rate over expected is abysmal. Like it it's just ludicrous. Um. I was surprised when I was going back through stats that Devontae Adams had 175 air yards. I was like, that's wild. How do they have 175 air yards? Um, and then was simply reminded that he had 13 targets and only caught six of them because Aiden O'Connell is trash. Um, I don't yep. know why they don't wheel Jimmy Garoppolo back. Like, I don't understand this. Like, Aiden O'Connell is not a franchise QB. Like, we've we've determined this already. So just roll out Jimmy G. You're paying him all the money anyway. Just roll him out there. Draft a new QB next year. It's all good. Like, Jimmy G will lose games on his own, but at least it'll be semi-entertaining. Um, and then also just how bad Saquon Barkley was. And I feel bad for him because he's the only offensive player on that team that's worth a pinch of salt. But still, like, and I get it. Like, they, the Cowboys are good. They're a good defensive unit. Uh, Dan Quinn is coaching him to a high level. I get that. I get that he stacked the box load, but I still think that he could have been better um, ultimately. so, um, But, you know, Tommy DeVito got a couple of touchdowns, so, you know, all for him. <laughs> I don't really have it. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just was surprised by how, bar- how bad Barkley was. Ultimately, I thought it'd be better. Do you have any?
2: Nothing that we haven't talked about, really. Nothing that's extra to the to add to the doc. It was, I think, for me, and it leads on to your next point as well. Like your main learning from week ten is the bad offenses in the NFL are now terrible. There was a a couple of seasons ago, you could still start players on bad offenses. We had that Saquon Barkley season where he was really good, and the Giants were trash. Whereas now. Falcons, Giants, you know, even the Raiders, players that we, Devonta Adams, yes, he scored 14 points this week, but before that, he's been shocking. Uh, Mm. Bad teams result in bad fantasy players at the moment, and it's it's really difficult to, to pick players. I'm finding it hard to pick players at the moment because, A, there's so many injuries, B, most of my leagues are deep, so I'm struggling anyway, and then C, the matchups I'm picking, I'm picking on what I think should be a good matchup. And it turns out to be a terrible one. So yeah. The... yeah.
1: I think, I think there's a good element of that. I think <laughs> the, the things that I would say, and I, I put in the doc here and then I'm going to expand upon it is uh, fatal pieces in a horrible offense. And I put giants, for example, where, of course you're not going to fade Saquon Barkley, but um, ultimately everyone else on that offense can just go. Um, but what I would say this year on your point of all these injuries and matchups if you've done the work, if you are one of the most active players in your league, you do the most transactions, you're doing trades, and you're hustling and bustling, you're probably having quite a good year. Um, this this kind of year sits very well with fantasy managers that work hard. It's a very mm. much a grinder's year that um, you're not going to get a lot given to you this year. You're going to have to earn it, um, which suits... Players like myself, it will cert- a lot. It will uh, certainly help a lot of players. Um, doesn't help me when I'm in a home league and then I don't pay as much attention to that home league <laughs> and then get out hustled. And that's fine. If I get out hustled, I'll own it. But um, yeah, if you're hustling, you're doing a good job, um, and you'll be on top of it because you've would picked up key wave wise. If you're listening to things like the Strategy Points podcast, I did. I, I feel like I dropped a good one today um, on Fab. Strategy, um, and uh, spoiler alert, how to get other people in your league to spend more fab. So, if you want to learn how, uh, sort of a a, not a dark art, it's not a dark art, but if you want to learn how to get people to spend more money on fab claims, um, listen to the show I dropped earlier on today. It's about half an hour long. There's a lot of good stuff in there, I think. So,
2: you get a lot out of it. Nice, nice. Talking of trades and stuff, uh, do you think Keenan Allen has a ridiculous end of season uh, do you think he's gonna have an end of season that could win teams like if you went to trade for him before the trade deadline do you think he could win you a league uh
1: yeah i'd I'd argue he probably could I'd argue he probably would uh he probably would win you a league um overall because uh yeah I, I mean depending on format but I think you know you're looking at him as a top three. Uh, wide receiver asset in in the in the league right now, um, and then I think when you're looking at what he's doing, the the only thing that's going to stop him is injury. Uh, but I mean, I'm looking at him now; he's you know third uh, third overall in in scoring. He's you know he's only 1.4 points behind AJ Brown. Um, Stefan Diggs is behind him, and Stephon Diggs has got a bye to come. So, yeah, you're looking at him. He's going to finish – he's going to easily finish in the top five. I mean, that, that sort of second to second to fifth, which is Hill. Uh, – second is Brown, then Allen, then Diggs, then, then Lamb, are separated by less than six points. So, we, we, you know, I, he's going to be there or thereabouts. I think if you've got one of those five, you're in really good stead. If you've got two of those five, you're on your way to a championship. Um, so, I think if you can – acquire Keenan Allen then yeah I think but I think he's going to cost you probably in a dynasty league he's going to cost you more than he's worth in a redraft league I mean yeah it doesn't really matter what you're giving up if you're going to acquire him as long as you're not looking too much more out the starting lineup and you lose some depth you could put, make an all-in move for him but the problem with Keenan Allen as it always has been is, is durability he's a pretty durable player like he's not what I'd call a sick note injury prone player but he has been known to get injuries um, yeah, but it definitely looks like Herbert is over his broken finger. Like I said, I thought he was phenomenal on Sunday, and if you can get a piece of that offense, it's gonna it's gonna really help you going forward.
2: Yeah, I did. I've been offered him in the dynasty league, um, and I'm I'm knocking on the door. I'm not top. I'm third at the moment, and I've been offered him in the dynasty league. And I'm I'm a bit shy at running back, and I have AJ Brown and Jamal Chase as two of my wide receivers he might help me get a buy. I could chase the team in second, but the guy who's offering it, he wants my first round pick, which isn't my first round pick. It's one of the two worst teams in the league's first round pick. So to give up a one, one a one, two feels like a bit much for Keenan Allen.
1: Uh, Yeah. That's see, that's close. I would say that's close. I think given the situation you're in, yeah, it does. But I mean, yeah, you're giving up. Uh, Is it super flex or one QB?
2: It's one QB.
1: So you're giving up Marvin Harrison Jr. or...
2: That's it. That's the only really player I want next year. And if he doesn't go 101, I will be absolutely shocked.
1: Yeah. Um, So in that sort of format, yeah, it'd be... I mean, you can always get a darling that comes out late. But yeah, I'd I'd say that he's more than likely going to be the 101 in most formats. So I think um, it's an interesting one because depending on where he lands... And depending on how he performs, it could be a slow burn. It could be an instant burn. We've seen rookies come in and absolutely smash it early. Um, But I always like, I mean, like, it depends. I'm an aggressive player. It's the sort of move I would make because I'm all about trying to win chips, but I'd like to feel pretty confident I'm going to get to the final two. If you're going to get to the playoffs anyway.
2: I'm pretty much locked. I'm one game away from locking my playoffs.
1: Then you'd need to analyze what his matchups would be in the playoffs. You need to listen to the Strategy Points podcast, and I'll do a playoffs breakdown and see how he works out. There's yeah, yeah. <laughs> a teaser for I you. just my
2: I just don't want to give up. This is my trouble. See, I've got Garrett Wilson, um, Garrett Wilson, Chase, and AJ Brown. They're locked in every week as my three starters. Yeah, and then I am a running back away from being elite but <laughs> the, the fact i could plug Keenan allen as a flex and just make my push this year for the ring is very tempting it, it, but it's it...
1: very tempting um i mean look it's it's a it's definitely why can't you counter with like your first instead of the 101 102 because and... i don't have i don't have my first oh okay well then that puts that out the window right. yeah I might,
2: I might, I think I might have two twenty first, so I might chuck one of them in with an extra pick of like a late third or something and see what he says. Yeah,
1: just... Or or a second next year and a your second next year and a 2025 one. Yeah, okay. That I'm seems like we... it's a slight overpay but to win a title now and you get to keep 101, 102, probably looks like it'll work. Yeah.
2: Okay, okay right let's do some statistical trends as we always tend to at this time of the week it's uh coming up to 8 p.m thursday evening where do you want to start now who have you got first on your statistical trends list
1: i've got ty chandler right so ty chandler is the waiver wire hotness of the week and a lot of people bought him because um Matson got concussed, he's likely gonna be out this week. There's a buy coming, so obviously, and Cam Akers is gone as Cam Akers goes. So ultimately, um he's on IR. Get well soon, Cam Akers. You're not listening. Um,
0: but ultimately,
1: <laughs> like people people who don't really watch all of the games won't know this. So this is why I'm gonna call this out. Ty Chandler actually was getting quite a lot of the early usage as well in this game. And he actually got a, the, the, the touchdown before Madison went off. So a lot of this, uh, if you were just box score scouting, you're going to look at this game and go, Madison got injured, got concussed, left the game. Ty Chandler came in and had a stormer. And actually, that's not what happened. What kind of happened was Ty Chandler was at least even pecking with Alexander Madison, maybe even slightly ahead got the touchdown, so he got the value touch in the key area and not Madison. And then he also had a huge uh, 29-yard touchdown that was called back for a hold. My point on this is t- if you've bought Ty Chandler, you're potentially getting the running back one in Minnesota because mm-hmm. I'm not convinced by how bad Alexander, and he has been bad. Like, we're talking historically <clears throat> bad, Ty Chandler really could actually be the guy to finish the season with the Vikings. So I just wanted to call it out that the reason he was a good ad wasn't just because he had a good week, but it's actually because he's probably going to get the job. He's probably ahead of Madison. And if he storms it, I mean, the only way he, he doesn't is if he has a bad week this week, if he storms it this week. Goodbye, Madison. He is number two on this depth chart. He'll still get touches. He'll still get used. But Alexander Madison should, owners should be slightly concerned that Chan is coming for the job because it's very, very close.
2: I mean, Madison owners should have been concerned many weeks ago when it turned out the guy isn't a running back one. But, yeah. Yeah, but, it's, but it's... the
1: fact that Cam Akers went on to IR, they would have felt pretty good that actually he's going to get 100% of the work and he's going to be fine. But yeah, the signal was there that they were always looking to replace Mattson. They signed Cam Akers. That's never a good sign. Yes, okay, he held off Cam Akers. Fair play. But actually, it looks like it looks like there's a changing of the guard.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Talking of a changing of the guard, Kyler Murray comes back and Trey McBride instantly becomes a hero.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say instantly becomes a hero, but he looked immense. Like, he was he easily the best player on the field in this game. Like yep. He was- like elite. um, Absolutely mad he was. He is easily... And I talked about this maybe last week, maybe the week before. At some point, I mentioned he's probably a tight end one for the rest of the season. He's locked in for that all day long. He's a top seven or eight tight end for the rest of the season. Um, The only thing that stops him from probably being in that upper echelon, he's got a buy in week th- uh, four, 13, 14. Uh, he's got to buy uh, soon. So other than that, yeah, like he's locked in. He looks elite. He looks... For not, I mean, how good are these rookie tight ends, right? He's the Laporta, mm. um, Dalton Kincaid, and now you've got Trey McBride. These guys look awesome, like they've actually sort of invigorated some life into a position that was, yeah, except for a few four guys, was pretty, pretty meh. So, uh, it's good to see these guys performing. Um, uh, even Brock Wright scored a touchdown from the tight end position. Actually, that was a good touchdown for the Lions, but yeah, not a not. Not a rookie. I don't know why I threw it out there. But yeah. Taylor Rice, who's awesome. Like, uh, all hell, all hell, the new tight end king that he's going to be. It's
2: just a tight end season right now. They're, they're popping off all over the place. So, talking of uh, popping off, Jonathan Taylor, in a game that was potentially the worst NFL game that has ever been witnessed by any fans ever, the Colts Patriots game, Jonathan Taylor has finally put the sword to Zach Moss's fantasy stock.
1: Yeah, it, look, it looks like that one is is done. Um, yeah, it does look like that, that one is definitely done. Um, 89% snap share for... Uh, yeah, I completely forgot about this game, actually. <laughs> hey, no, it's, rightly uh, so. Yeah, it was awful. Like, poor Germany. Like, I forgot that this game was on early in the day. Yeah, one of the worst games ever seen. In, on. Like, German fans must be thinking, yeah, that was amazing. And then they get that. Port them that is, yeah. What a terrible excuse for a game that was, yeah. Uh, 89% snap share for Jonathan Taylor did get the game's only touchdown. Uh, yeah, Zach Moss, uh, one, uh, one touch. Uh, I mean, if that stays, they're on bye this week. If that stays, Zach Moss can go. He can go. He's like, they paid Jonathan Taylor. It's not a surprise. The only thing that I would hold on some hope to is if the Colts fade away from comp, like. They're, they're five and five, so they're kind of are competitive in the AFC if they fade away to insignificance, which is very possible. Um, and should be with Godmanchu, And I, I like Godmintu, but I mean, uh, he, he is who he is. Um, there are better teams in the AFC than, than the Colts. But if when they fade away, I could expect Moss to maybe have a resurgence and they save Taylor. But for right now, yeah, you can't start Moss in any format uh, for the next few weeks.
2: No, if you want some moss, come round to mine because I've got loads on the garage. So, hey, okay. boop, boop. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray looks back to being Kyler Murray pretty much instantaneously.
1: Yeah, he looked he looked awesome, really mobile. Um, I was a bit shocked that they put Clayton Toon in for uh, rushing touchdown on on the uh, on the goal line. That was a bit of a surprise to see. Um, but I guess they just didn't want to hurt Kyler. But then I can't see why they couldn't just give it to James Connor. But there you go, um, but yeah, uh, other than that, um, and, and you know, Clayton Tune did his best to mess that up, like, he fumbled the snap as well, <laughs> like, phenomenal. He gets a chance to score a touchdown, he nearly yipped it, like, it was horrendous. Uh, but he got in, so fair play. Um, yeah, Kyler Murray looked great, uh, was really good. He didn't look at all injured, he looked really solid. Um, he made some big gains, uh, some really crucial runs on the game winning drive. He had a big one, on I think, on third down where he runs. He sort of runs to the left and then he kind of loops all the way around uh, and then gets the gets the first down um, and, and more. So yeah, he looked he looked really, really good. Back to the Kyler Murray of old. Uh, definitely a QB1 for the, for the rest of the season. Um, again, minus the buy.
2: Sam Howe, baby. Let's talk about Sam Howe. I mean, I know he's not on this list but we talked about it last week, Sam Howe or Kyler and uh, I started Sam Howe and yeah, thanks very much points
1: in the in the bag yeah i mean somehow is now the qb3 uh yes. well, as, as it stands right now which is uh really impressive um i mean in points per game he's uh, he is behind uh herbert and and Dak because he's not had his buy yet but still that's uh, um mahomes as well but you know let's call it let's call it for what he is he's having a phenomenal season um he, you know, those last three games, 32 points, 18.7 points, 24.2 points this week. Yeah, I mean, look, you can't you can't go too far wrong. Um, I did have him above uh, Kyler this week uh, or last week. So I do feel like I was slightly vindicated, although Kyler himself did have a good week. I'm just scrolling down. I can't find him on the page. So I'm trying to see what he got this week. 18.3. So, you know, I did say it'd be relatively close. Five, six points, I yeah. don't think there's that far off um who was in the middle of that was it gino
2: yeah gino was my you had my, yeah gino and I, so, I had him too
1: so gino was 24.1 How was 24.2 and i had those guys back to back so yeah i i feel like uh i appropriated those guys the only thing i did i probably overestimated a couple of guys uh, more because how was QB four on the week and Smith was QB five on the week. I had them at I think at eight and nine. Um, but still, like, I was right to have those guys. Uh, probably was a bit higher on uh Kyle Murray, but then there were some guys like Russell Wilson had a better week than I kind of expected. Baker Mayfield had a better week than I expected. Um, so there's a couple guys there that and and Jordan Love had a slightly better week than I expected, but not by much. But yeah, I mean, like, on the whole, uh, it was uh, yeah. Uh, Sam Howell's yeah. having a really, really good season. He is going to have a buy at some point, which is a little bit annoying. But yeah, I mean, listen, there, he's on to, he's on to, he's on to have a, a really, really good season. Um, and you know, it. The only thing I would say is, is he's one of these that is very good for fantasy football. I don't know how good he is in real life. I, for me, he's like the new Jameis Winston, only with less turnovers, but not that many less. So like, I, I'm i not actually convinced that, that Sam Howe is the future in Washington. So I, I I look at his play and I think there's moments and I think I see him doing quite well. And I think, oh yeah, he looks quite good. And then there's times I think that he fails to make very, very easy throws. And mm-hmm. part of that is development, and that's fine. And I'm not sitting here and I'm not going to write him off, but I'm not sold on how being the future of of the franchise, that's one thing I, I will say. Um, I think they could easily bring in another quarterback and play just as well, if not better.
2: Yeah, that's fair. that's fair. Let's let's switch back to the Cardinals then, and you've got them as a concentrating passing game with Jonathan Gannon, a coach to watch.
1: Yeah, so um, might as well get all the Cardinals out of the way here. So yeah, I just think that. It's interesting, like the way that they coach, um, or the way Jonathan Cannon's coaching his team. I, I think they're going to be a bit more aggressive. I don't think they've been as aggressive as it could be with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. That's probably why they made a change.
0: Um... A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.
1: So it's going to be interesting. And then we saw James Connor. He was quite efficient. 16 uh, carries for 73 yards. So it looked good. He looked good. So I think when you've got a rusher like James Connor, who can get your first downs and keep drives going, you've got Kyler Murray who can extend plays and keep drives going. Um, Michael Wilson looked good. He got a touchdown taken away from him for a knee that was about half a yard short. And it was the right decision. But And then you got Mark Recylla Brown who could stretch the field. It's an, I think the Cardinals, I, I wasn't as down on the Cardinals as other people were. I did predict them to finish with six or seven wins. I kind of thought Kyler Murray was going to be back before this point when I made that prediction, Um. I will admit. But I did feel like they had the recipes of a half-decent offensive team. So I think now you've got six games here to really sort of judge or seven games no, six games, to really judge – no, seven, seven games to really judge how they're going to play going forward. And and I'm excited that I'm going to sit and watch, but it wouldn't shock me if they are trying to win. It wouldn't shock me. And with, you know, people talk about Arizona as, oh, they're going to tank for for Caleb Williams. There's two things that are massively wrong with that statement. The first is that they've got Kyler Murray under a ridiculous contract that they can't get away from. And they're not going to pay Kyler Murray $60, 70000000 million to sit around and do nothing. They're just not. And no one's trading for that contract either because it's a heavily, heavily paid, weighted contract. So Kyler Murray's there. He's there for the next two years, whether anyone likes it or not. They're not going to get out of that trade. They're not going to get out of that contract easily. Now, you could say, well, okay, you could draft Caleb Williams and he could sit behind for you. You're not spending the one overall pick on a player to sit that's just not going to happen doesn't happen i can't ever remember it happening and the outroar that would occur if that did happen would be insane the second thing is jonathan gannon is a rookie head coach in his first ever nfl gig he is not going to sit here and tank just not going to do it he's not waited all this time to get a job to tank it's just not going to happen. The organization isn't going to tell him to tank because they cannot tell him to tank. He is not going to deliberately lose games. So, you know, Cardinals fans thinking they're going to get K. They need to get this idea in the head. Because I tell you now, Kyler Murray is going to win games to make sure they don't get him. He's got a natural incentive, which is greater than anyone else. Is they, He's going to stop them getting the pick that's going to stop him getting the guy that could take his job.
2: Which makes sense.
1: Yeah, and also, I think if the Cardinals got the one pick, I think they trade down. I really do. I don't think they take care of Williams. Um, so, you know, that's... I just don't see them tanking, so I think they're going to be exciting. I think they're going to be fun. So I think people sitting there thinking, oh, well, they going to tank? Ah, just get that idea in your head. I don't think they are. We, they proved it. They proved it on Sunday. that They're not going to tank. They're going to go out there and win. And they put some good offensive performances. It's just the defense is terrible, and it is. It's really bad. But their offenses, actually, even Josh Dobbs got them to put points up. So, there you go. Yeah,
2: there you go. Talking of another offense, let's talk about these dual-headed lion running backs Where the one-two punch that's pretty potent.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting how they used them. Like, they kind of um, alternated the drives. So, be one drive would be a Jamal Gibbs drive. The next would be a David Montgomery drive. He had one drive that was just one play. He took it 75 yards to the house. He looked incredible, by the way, coming off an injury. He looked uh, absolutely insane. Um, so. Gibbs did have more uh roots run, so it's quite a bit more, 64 to 30 percent. Um, so basically Gibbs got all the two-minute stuff. That's kind of how I've interpreted this. So it's interesting, like we talked about in the season in the preseason, Montgomery's gonna lead back, Montgomery's gonna have them, you know, all the early down work, Gibbs will have the secondary. Gibbs has really come on a long way. He's benefited from Montgomery getting injured, and he's now made a huge role for himself. But this is a very much a 1-2 punch. They're a 1A and a 1A. There's no 1A, 1B. They're a 1A, 1A. They're going to alternate drives. They're going to... What I will say is I still think Montgomery's going to get the edge at the goal line, anything inside the 5, inside the 3. I still... But mind you, Gibbs did get a touchdown from that range earlier, so maybe I'm slightly out of turn with that. Maybe they use him on alternate drives. Maybe they... Uh, decide a different way of using them. I don't know, but ultimately they've got two 1A backs, which is a phenomenal weapon to have for the Lions. And, you know, they could they could get the one seed in the NFC. They really could. They're the most balanced um, attack offensively in the NFC.
2: Scary. America's team playing well.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, they played some absolute dross at the weekend, which uh, it does help uh, CD Lamb became the first NFL wide receiver to record three consecutive games of 10 plus catches and 150 yards. Um, so CD is lighting it up right now, but the Cowboys also three straight games at, uh, at 8.8% passing rate over expected or higher since the buy. Um, they only had one positive passing rate over expected game before the buy. So, and their aggressiveness according to next gen stats is like off the charts. It's massive at the moment. So they just—they've kind of clicked. They kind of found this formula. They got it together on the buy, and they've started smashing teams. Um, can they <laughs> keep it up for the rest of the season? Probably not. But uh, at the moment, you know, I, I have a league where I have Justin Herbert, CD, uh, CJ Stroud, and Dak Prescott as my quarterbacks. <laughs> it's like, and it's super flex to start to, and it's like genuinely the hardest decision they're going to make all week. Is which one of those? And like last week, I left Dak out, and I was like, Well, yeah, I, I just have to sit back. And it was not the wrong, it was sort of the wrong. I was still top scorer, so it didn't really impact, but yeah, it's a hard one. Like having those three quarterbacks is a embarrassment of riches at the moment in a super, flex no day.
2: doubt. Yeah, Michael Meyer, you mentioned him many, many weeks ago now as. as- Somebody to keep an eye on and possibly own as a tight end, and he's coming yeah. back to
0: well. I've
1: kind of gone both ways. I said buy him, and then I said not uh ignore him. And now he's back up to 73 of roots, and he had a strong TD catch, so you might get some more reps. So, um, yeah, look, <sighs> tough matchup this week, which might help Michael Mayer. Um, I actually wrote up a column for Fantasy Pros today about. Uh, wide receiver cornerback matchups and Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams both have pretty bad matchups so that could see them go a little bit more uh, vertical over the middle of the field and that could see them going to Michael Mayer a bit more this weekend so I like Mayer as a outside top 12 tight end for the rest of the season I'm more concerned about and there's another again another rookie tight end who's doing a really good job more concerned about the rookie quarterback there than I am about uh, mayor, but yeah, he definitely looks like he's getting an increased role.
2: Increased role. Let's talk about Pino Grigio. No, I'm talking Zach Charbonnet. What's he doing to Kenneth Walker?
1: Uh, he's snapped him for the third consecutive week. Um, so Walker is still getting more rushes and more touches, but Charbonnet is clearly taking a bigger role. So we talked about it with uh Jack two weeks ago. I talked about two situations that you'll see more uh, of this transition. We saw it both happen this week. One was with Pollard and Rico Dowdle, and we saw Rico Dowdle have a role. And people will say, yep, he got a lot of junkyard yards, and he did, but he also got quite a lot of the early work as well before the game was really a blowout. Um, He also got a TD and and Pollard didn't. That's another thing to kind of note. Um, But the same with Charbonnet looked really good. He looked really strong. He looked really efficient as a runner. That's going to be a situation as the Seahawks progress Closer and closer to the playoff territory, they're going to rest Walker. So come fantasy playoff season, um, Charbonnet could get a much more increased role as they look to sort of um, just take the weight off Walker. I don't think Walker's going to like fade off. I still think Walker's a top 10 running back for the rest of the season. But I do think that Charbonnet is going to have more and more impact. And I think around the fantasy playoffs, he's just going to cap Walker's upside a little bit. As a Walker owner I'd be slightly concerned. I wouldn't be concerned enough to ditch Walker or get rid of him but I would be concerned enough to think that the high ceiling days are, are close. Like he had a really good outing uh, at the weekend Walker but it was made up really of a 60 plus yard receiving touchdown. That kind of made the bulk of his points. So you take that out it was okay but it wasn't good and that's kind of where I expected it to be. <laughs>
2: Let's talk some Quinton Johnson. You and I talked about him earlier in the season as somebody to basically completely let go of us was filling none of the prophecies that we wanted him to. He's he's on an uptick now though.
1: I don't know. I kind of he is and he's not. He listen, he got all four targets, uh scored a touchdown, he drew three DPIs, he also gave away a couple of DPIs. If the coaches are watching the film, which I would expect, there's a few routes he gives up on. There's a few routes he was a little bit lackadaisical on. There's a couple of routes. There was one play, and it was Davis got absolutely smashed at the line behind the line of scrimmage. Johnson was sent out there to block, and he didn't block. Like, Davis just got hammered by the legs taken out from him, and Davis isn't there blocking. And that's a problem. So if if you've got a player who isn't running his routes and isn't doing his jobs. He's not going to be as efficient as other players. So you look at a player like Jalen Guyton who came into this. He actually got more targets. He got more yards, got a touchdown as well in this game, Jalen Guyton. Um, He's got a great matchup, Jalen Guyton, this week. If you want like a really deep play, um, he was a bit of a waiver wire pickup this week. So he might not be available. But if he is, I really like Jalen Guyton this week. I actually think he's quite a good little deep stash play um, i think he's gonna absolutely torture the cornerback he's up against um for pace. so yeah, i like that one a lot. um, i just think johnston's not gonna have enough to be he's a touchdown dependent play um and i don't see that changing in 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 weeks to come. i think he's he's got a lot he looks very raw. um, i don't think i look at the rookie wide receivers that have come in. And of all the first round wide receivers, I don't think he's anywhere near him. I really just don't. He's nowhere near Zay Flowers. Even JSN, I know he's limited, but JSN looks good when he's out there. He's just yeah. he's just got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. That's not his fault. That's just the situation he's in. But he looks good when he's out there. I just don't see it in Johnston at the moment. And I really like Johnston. He was one of my favorite receivers in this draft. He just, I don't know if he's not picking it up. I don't know if it's, a mentality thing. I don't know what it is, but he just, there was times on Sunday he did not look very good and he looked like he gave up and he wasn't doing the job he was assigned to do. There's one play where Herbert extends the play by about five or six seconds and he finds Johnston. He just gets, you know, he, it's just the fact that Johnston kind of gave up his route, uh, couldn't shake a man. Then he kind of got uh, into some space and he got loose and made a catch. It's a bit lucky more than anything with, with something like that the touchdown plays a good play um uh, well designed but yeah i'm just i'm not there on johnston i'm really not at the moment he's gonna have to do a lot more to impress me
2: talking of somebody who's impressed you how's your boy marvin mims getting on this season
1: i mean he was from a stat line perspective he was absolutely terrible um on monday night football minus 0.3 fantasy points but he did get up to um 76 percent of roots um So it's interesting. Like this offense is not great. It's fair to say. So I'd like to think that Mims is going to get more opportunities. I do think that he's on a, he's going to be a a cheap ad right now. And I would probably, I'm not advocating in a shallow league that you add him, but in a deeper league, if he's, if he's knocking around, I would take a punt. I'm not saying that I'm expecting him to come good because I don't buy this offense. I don't think it's a good offense at all. But I just think someone's got to catch the ball. It's clearly not going to be Jerry Judy. I don't know what is going on behind the scenes there, but there's something clearly not on page with the coaching staff, the quarterback, and the wide receiver there. Court Sutton is the only one that looks like he's doing anything uh, from a wide receiver perspective. So I think someone else has got to go out there and catch a ball, and I think they're going to go with Mims. It's the guy they drafted. It's the guy Peyton's invested in. So I, I do think he's going to get there by some point in this season. And I think in a deep league, he's worth a stash in a shallow league. I wouldn't because I think there's better players out there, but if you are struggling at the wide receiver position, he's worth a punt. That's kind of where I'm, I'm with Mims.
2: A.T. Perry. What do you know yeah. about him?
1: Well, first, uh, <laughs> first touchdown grab uh, at the weekend for the saints. Uh, he seems to be the guy who's going to come in and replace uh, Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas is a knee injury. It appears to be quite serious. Um, they're on by this week, so we're not going to get any update. Um, I would say that AT Perry is a guy that should be on your radar. Now, not in a serious spend loads of fab and acquire him or acquire him in a trade. But I do think if you're again, if you're in a deep league and you're thinking of guys that can get into a flex and do a job, especially if you're pre-planning for your week 13 bye, because there's a lot of players going on by. A.T. Perry's not a bad name to look around and get your 10 fantasy points. If he plays instead of Thomas, he could be in line for a decent amount, especially if uh, Derek Carr, who's injured yet again, uh, sits and it goes to James Winston and they put the ball in the air. A.T. Perry could do a decent job here. So he's one I wouldn't necessarily go out and make a really fast add-on unless you're in a deep league, then I'm absolutely smashing an add on him. But in a shallow league, I'm definitely sort of, I've got an eye on him. If someone wants to listen to this and jump ahead of me, then crack on. But um, I do think that he's someone that I'd be picking up in places and keeping an eye on. And I do think that if uh, Thomas's knee injury is worse than feared, then A.T. Perry, he got 89% of the – he played 89% of the snaps after Michael Thomas left the game. He's clearly that replacement. So I think he's going to be in line for a decent amount of work. His touchdown was really good as well. He, He did well in the contested catch.
2: We've already talked about Tennessee Volunteers. Let's talk about another one. Cedric Tillman is uh, on the rise a little bit since the DPJ trade.
1: Yeah, so a lot of my best ball teams early on had a lot of Cedric Tillman on him. I really liked him as a player. Uh, I knew there was obviously a little bit of the Josh or hype around him. Uh, but actually, I do think that, that Cedric Tillman has a lot about him. So back-to-back season high uh, in Roots, he was up to 87% here. The problem is now... Um, DTR is in play, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's out for the season. This offense is going to go to the toilet. Um, if PJ Walker comes in, it might be a little bit exciting, but I don't think the bottom line is you can't back a wide receiver three in this offense in a dynasty play. If you've owned, if you've got shares of Cedric Tillman, this looks good. They traded the uh DPJ. So therefore Tillman is the easy three. Um, in future years, he's going to look quite good, but for the rest of this season, he's, he's a nothing really, unfortunately. So no fault of his own, because he's looked quite good when he has uh, come into games and impacted.
2: Devin Singletary, a massive 31 touch game, but maybe not as exciting as could be.
1: No, listen, I wasn't expecting 31 touches. That's quite uh, a huge amount, but he only had three high value touches. Um, So effectively, when the game's on the line and, and when it gets important devin singletree is absolutely nowhere to be seen he just basically is in a uh a donkey a donkey workload basically he's kind of he, he's going to do all the donkey work he's going to do all the uh, short yardage stuff mid yardage stuff but as soon as the game gets into the red zone he's nowhere to be seen and that's a problem because if if he is a running back he's basically a volume dependent back to get a relatively low return on. So, you know, for him to, I, I just don't see, there's no ceiling. There's absolutely no ceiling with Devin Singletary. Now the way the state of the running back position is, there's a bit of value. If he, but he's not going to get 31 touches a game, that's not going to happen that often. Um, yeah. I mean, great for him. He, he did get in the box and he got 150 yards, but it kind of looks a lot better than it is, is my point. So, people on the back of this game will readjust their forecast and go, Devin Singletree is a top 15 running back for the rest of the season. No, you just, it, no. Nico Collins was out of this offense. They didn't have anyone to really kind of plug in and play. Nico Collins will be back. Um, and when he is, that, that workload's going to go heavily down. Um, he's not going to get 30 carries ever again in this offense. It's just, it's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah. Right, next up, we have Don, no, we don't we've got Kareem hunt Kareem hunt.
1: yeah, so um five Tds inside the ten yards um uh, and then six um he's had six uh it touches inside the ten over the past four games. so he so Jerome Ford is gonna get a lot of the work um and then it looks like Kareem Hunt is gonna be a bit of a touchdown vulture. Having said that, the fact that DTR is, uh, in play now, I think Jerome Ford's going to get a lot more work. Um, so the way I kind of look at this, is almost like the reverse of what I just said about David Singletary, because it's <laughs> a run first offense, they are going to run the ball a heck of a lot anyway. Now they're going to run it even more. I can see, I can see Jerome Ford getting, you know, close to 25 touches a game, um, if they got significant possession of the football. The worry is, is that DT, DTR doesn't extend the play a lot. So you look at this game. Uh, drone Ford had 17 carries for 107 yards, uh, but he had no touchdowns. Um, he also did have one catch in this game. Um, and then Kareem Hunt had only 10 carries for 32 yards. So he didn't run the ball well, but he got in the box. Just because he's a big stockier back. So Kareem Hunt is going to be the touchdown vulture. Um, Jerome Ford's going to do all the other work. So, but Jerome Ford has this talent to where he can break away and get some. I still like the volume play. I like the trade. I think you can still trade quite low on Jerome Ford. Um, I would be looking to acquire him, but the, I don't think Kareem Hunt, you can start him on the volume that he has, unless you're desperate. Uh, but he will likely vulture touchdowns.
2: Khalil Herbert could be returning to the Bears' backfield soon. What does that do for Donta Foreman?
1: Uh, I, I think Khalil Herbert's done. Um, I've stood by this all season. I stood by it in the offseason. I stood by it uh, when he was starting to do well. I still stand by it now. So I look at this and say that Donta Foreman has has come out. We You and I talked about him heavily. He got injured. He had a rough start, but really heavy usage. He got both touches inside the 10. He scored a touchdown. Um, I really think that he has earned that role to be the significant lead back. He is questionable this week. That could put a mocker on things. I actually think Khalil Herbert is third in this pe- in this pecking list now. He's been out for so long. I think it's Foreman, Johnson, Herbert. And I don't see anything that's going to change my mind until it does.
2: Okay. Let's talk about Calvin Ridley.
1: I, I mean, we're getting to the point now. He's almost not a thing. Um, which is crazy, right? So three targets yeah. this week. He just he looks like he just looks like a spare part in this offense. Now, this it's a hard one to judge because they got whooped. I mean they got they got obliterated. Um you yes, know that that defensive line of uh Bosa and Chase Young is just ridiculous. Like they just didn't have an answer to that all game, and they'll have better days. But we've already seen this downtrend in Ridley. We've seen that Kirk and don't forget they pay Kirk a lot of money. They pay Kirk what 85 million? I mean, it's not all mm-hmm. guaranteed, but still, he was the one that got the big contract. Yeah, so there was something this coaching staff liked in Kirk a lot more than what they see. And they yes, they've traded for Ridley, they traded assets for Ridley, but I also think they got Ridley quite cheap. So, I think Ridley's still something, but he's not the number one. It's Kirk. So, it's disappointing for people that invested in Ridley because you're not going to get your return, but there's still going to be something there for the rest of the season. Just try not to give up hope.
2: Talking of not number one's number and then moving on to number twos, Chase Edmonds is definitely the clear number two, but is not doing anything with these touches.
1: Listen... I I've said this for weeks um but I can't remember if I said it on here or if I said it on the strategy points podcast but ultimately you don't own the number 2 running back in Tampa because their run game is crap it's been crap for about 3 or 4 years Rashad White is doing really well but he's doing really well mostly in the receiving game um if you look at his numbers and where he is in in sort of scoring for PPR half point PPR he's you know RB4 over the last few weeks phenomenal don't get me wrong and he looks good but he's getting most of that in the passing game. He's getting a bit more on the ground than we've seen, but ultimately this run game is poor. So Chase Edmonds looks crap. He looks awful. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's entirely his fault. I think this offensive line and this scheme that Tampa run for the last three or four years, even with a different offensive coordinator doesn't work for run games. I don't think it looks good. Um, I just think my point on this, and the only reason I put this in here is if you are owning Chase Edmonds, he can go. If you own Keisha Vaughan, he can go. If you own any other Sean Tucker, he can go. Literally, any running back that's not named Rashard White in this offense can just go. Even if Rashard White goes down, Chase Edmonds is not going to be good enough to take on a role to be fantasy relevant. He could get 18 touches and run for 30 yards. And that's what you're going to see. If he ends up, if Rashard White gets injured, Chase Edmonds will, will have stat lines of like 16 for 35 or 16 for 42. And he might doink a touchdown every now and again. But it's not, my point is, it's not going to be good enough. So you can drop Chase Evans. What about Erv Smith? Can you, you can drop Irv Smith? You can drop him too. Uh, second straight uh, game with just 32% of routes. Tanner Hudson is leading this. And Tanner Hudson also had t- seven targets in this game. Uh, yeah, he can go. You can cut Earth Smith. He is done. He is done. Done, 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 done. Finished. Finito. Goodbye. Done. Done. So
2: what about the Steelers then? You've got something about their rushing yards here.
1: Yeah, they were nuts on the ground in this game. 36 rushes, 205 rushing rushing yards. It looks like Jalen Warren has sneaked slightly ahead of Najee Harris, but they both scored (laughs) decent touchdowns in this game. Um, So... Listen, I still think Matt Canada's a fraud. I still think that they should sack Matt Canada. I still think Matt Canada has absolutely no business being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. However, if they can run the ball this efficiently and this many times this well, it's going to change the dynamics of the offense. It means that Johnson's going to have a bit more I know he's banged up and didn't have a great stat line at the weekend. George Pickens, who's been moaning about his usage, might get a bit more play because... If you can run the ball effectively, you're going to have to pay more attention to the run. It's going to open up passing lanes, and Pickens and Johnson are good enough to, to take advantage of that. So, that's I've kind of been really low on this. Offense. I've really been high on Dante Johnson, but actually, I've been quite low. Like, I was really high on Najee Harris coming into this season, um, stupidly. Um, but ultimately, he's putting up enough numbers to make it okay. Um, he's not going to have a high ceiling, he is going to be an RB2. Him and Warren are basically going to be low end RB2s because they're going to cannibalize each other. But ultimately, if this team can continue to put up rushing numbers like that, then they're worth investing.
2: Okay, let's talk about our boy Josh Downs. Obviously, didn't practice all week, Uh, didn't have a huge game, but
1: yeah, well, that was why, right? So, I, I Again, this is more for those that just sort of can't watch all the games, do a lot of box score scouting. They'll look at Josh Downs' game and go, oh, well, he's out of favour, and they're on bye this week, okay? So um, my point is he didn't practice all week. He only ran routes 43% of the time. He just clearly wasn't fit. Um, he went out there, he gave it a go. Um, but he did make uh, a fantastic diving play on a on a like third down. It was quite late uh, in the game. So ultimately he went out there, he took one for the team. That's actually going to earn him more brownie points than he's going to lose. He's got a bye week this week to get healthy. Um, My point is just don't give up on Josh Downs because he had a bad week. Uh, It was a bad week because he was injured.
2: James Cook, 45% of the snaps are benched after a fumble.
1: That might explain why uh, Dorsey got fired. You don't bench your lead running back because he has a fumble. (laughs) So this is what's more ridiculous, right? So James Cook's fumble on Monday Night Football was his first fumble since his first snap as a pro. So his first snap as a pro was a fumble. He went 181 carries since without fumbling the football. And then he has a fumble and he gets benched. Why would you do that? If the guy was repeatedly fumbling or repeatedly making mistakes, I kind of get that Bruce Arians was very harsh in this sort of scenario. Um, But he benched him. I I just don't get that. Like, it's not like the guy hasn't been reliable. It's not like the guy, you know, he doesn't do it that often. Gone uh, how many
2: fu- How many fumbles has Josh Allen had in between those two fumbles?
1: Yeah, quite like, a <laughs> Exactly that. Like, it's just madness. Like, I I don't get it. Um, they got Joe Brady in now as a interim offensive coordinator. Uh, he looked good when he came back, James Cook. I, I don't. I, was it a teaching, like motivational exercise? It was stupid. I argue it probably cost him the game as well. So, yeah, don't bite your nose off to spite of your face. It's just pointless, and that's what happened here in this case for me. Yeah, Travis
2: Etienne. Obviously, they got absolutely, as we mentioned, got absolutely shellacked. But is there a slight downtrend here, or do you think it was just the pasting by the Niners?
1: It was just the pasting uh Ultimately, he was down to 60% snap share, which was his first game under 70%. But um, I think, really, the fact that they just got shellacked, I think they just went, we'll just take it. We'll put Tank Bigsby out there and, and we'll we'll move on to another day, which is smart coaching. It's the right thing to do. Don't flog a dead horse.
2: Don't flog a dead horse. And then finally, let's talk to Noah Brown, a couple of big games
1: yeah i mean ridiculous games 172 yards against the bucks 153 yards uh this week in a walk-off victory first two career 100 yard games um but listen nico collins is coming back so this is going to impact quite significantly um my point is if you're sitting there picking up Noah brown thinking he's a league winner that's just temper expectations down quite significantly i'm not saying that he's not going to have productive games going forward but effectively when collins comes back into this attack um and you've got collins and dell he's third read now third read in houston with the amount they throw the ball is not a bad thing but he's not putting up 150 and 170 yard games much likely for the rest of the season unless something else happens so you know If you caught on those breaks, and I had a couple of deep leagues where I started Brown and I caught in on those games, that's great. It's probably not going to happen again. So I'm just setting the expectation level. He is a borderline flex play moving forward for the rest of the season. There'll be matchups and games that it will suit, and there's matchups and games that it won't. But this week when Nico Collins, not quite 100%. He's still on the injury report. You can probably roll him out again this week. Just don't expect that high ceiling anymore.
2: There you go. That is your statistical update for the week 11 slate, rush Nation. Anything else you want to mention or monitor, Murph, before we sign off for the week?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Just that uh, I'm not looking forward to the Buccaneers getting pummeled on uh, uh, Sky this week. yeah, I, I Monday Night Football is going to be amazing. Eagles Chiefs—that should be a really, really good game. And no, I think um, ultimately follow the Patreon. we there's some great conversations and teams on there. Um, trade deadlines—get active. If you join the Patreon, I'll definitely help as much as possible. Um, I've definitely—I think there's a few people out there that will say I've helped them a bit this week with some trade advice and uh, have made some good trades off the back of some of the advice I've given. Um, so if you want some good trade advice for your trade deadline, join the Patreon, I will help you out as much as possible Uh, if you do it over Twitter, I will try and get to them but just be mindful I am busy, I will always prioritise the Patreons um, over over my Twitter feed because they pay and they deserve it ultimately and uh, they catch me because I'm on my phone and (laughs) I can't say no to WhatsApp and that's the difference
2: There you go Rush Nation, that is your week 11 stats in the well not the stats the uh, statistical watch list shall we say we don't know the stats yet or we'd all be very very rich men <laughs> um don't forget you can uh, subscribe to the patreon over at patreon.com forward slash five yard there is a tier for just over a pound a month which works out at about i don't know how many games did we say left? seven uh it's about 20p a game something like that so not not of the regular season obviously um you can follow Murph on X at Murph underscore NFL. You can follow the podcast at Five Yard Rush. But that's about it, Murph, right? That's going to do it for this week's statistical stuff.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. We've got four weeks of the regular season left. It's time to hustle. It's time to uh, make some big moves to be bold. Uh, final piece of advice I could give to anybody this week is just make a big move. Uh, you'll regret not making it. Um, but you... I mean, some will say you might regret making it, especially if there's injuries, but I definitely tell you that um, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, as the great Michael Jordan uh, once said. So uh, ultimately, you know, take take a big move. If you're trying to win championships, it takes big moves. Um, go all in on players if you can. If the situations arise, if you're contending in the league, make a big move, see what you can do. If you're not contending in the league, but you're on the outskirts, make a bigger move. Uh, outwork your opponents outwork your league um, try and bring home a ship because that's how you're going to do it listening to shows like this is great picking up player trends and statistical trends is great but ultimately it's your strategic play making a big move and um, they're the ones that will help you pull off championships
2: and that's why we're here right let's get those ships let's fill the dockyard up once again it's getting to that point in the season crunch time baby until next week rush nation as always don't forget keep rushing